when things felt dire at home and, and our world seemed very, very small and contained within our four walls, seeing an industry that has always been generous uh, step up and that's where the magic is. They're feeding nurses and they're feeding frontline workers or they're, they're feeding their own uh, and turning their restaurants into soup kitchens. Hi, I'm Billy Shore. Welcome back to Add Passion and Stir. It's our weekly podcast about food, passion, and making a difference in the world. And I am here today with my sister, Debbie Shore, which I hasten to mention because the last time we did a podcast together, I forgot forgot to introduce her. You forgot me. And her voice just magically appeared. So Debbie and I do most of these together, and I'm glad you're back, sister. Yeah, me too. Thanks. Me too. Uh, And of course, the special guest. So when it comes to food and passion and making a difference in the world, uh, who would be better than Hunter Lewis, the editor-in-chief? A food and wine magazine and a long distinguished history in the culinary community and in publishing. Welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Billy. And thank you, Debbie. There's so much to talk about in terms of, of course, what's been going on in the restaurant and in the culinary community uh, during this pandemic. And we've had a number of guests over the last few weeks who have been from uh, either the journalistic community or political or entertainment. So it's great to be getting back to kind of hardcore Uh, culinary and food and wine uh, in particular. But I want to start, as we always do, with just how you got to be doing uh, what you're doing and what your path was. I'd read, I don't know if this is true, there was probably a precursor to it, but I'd read that uh, one of your early jobs was literally walking in off the street into Barbudo, Jonathan Waxman's restaurant in New York, and um, saying you wanted to learn uh, how not just to write about food, but to cook it as well. Um, But tell us where where it began even before that? Well, it really began in, in my extended family and uh, growing up in North Carolina. Uh, my aunt Margie and my, my grandmother were great cooks. And we had these big epic meals when we would all get together and there'd be 18 people at the table and a lot of wine was flowing. And my aunt would try out some recipe from Italy or from France from from our journeys. Uh, and she always had the most cookbooks in the family. Um, and, and looking back, being at table with my family and, um, and those moments, I think that really planted the seed um, for my passion and for my love for, for good food and drink. I've, I've always either been cooking or writing or doing both. And, I, and I've been happiest when I've done both. You know, say a little bit more about storytelling. I appreciate you as you're talking about your family, the origins of the, the passion for food. Uh, how did storytelling become so important to you? Well, I, I was terrible at math, Billy, and um, that, not, that very makes good three at, of us. <laughs> not very good at, uh, at many other subjects in school. But but there was something about journalism classes that that I really took to. I felt like it was it was learning a, a craft. It felt very vocational, um, almost like you're building a car engine. Um, and, and that really stuck with me. And, and, um, I, it's, it's been interesting to, to think about over the course of my career and also the jobs that I've had, you know, cooks and chefs are storytellers, bartenders are storytellers. Um, when, when that server's at the table. Yeah. Well, say, say more about that. I, I think that's really interesting. When, when you say cooks and chefs are storytellers, I, I, how do you, I think I know what you mean, but spell it out a little bit. Well, if you think about a, a farmer, particular ingredient, um, you know, a, a chicken and how that chicken was raised and, um, and how it's going to be prepared and how it's going to taste, 
you know, if you're a server, you're telling the story of that chicken um, to a restaurant guest. Um, you know, you've got to do that quickly um, within a few seconds. But that storytelling is, is powerful and it's important. You know, and if you if you pull back a bit and you think about uh, a chef as a storyteller, bringing those ingredients into the restaurant, um, sharing them with with those customers, you know, that storytelling can be just as powerful and it can it can move the needle just as much as putting pen to paper or, or writing a story uh, for print. So when when you think about the moment that we're living in now or have been for the last 14 months or so with the pandemic, um, you know, at Food and Wine, was there a point at which um, you stepped back or convened people or got really intentional about, okay, this is the role we need to play as a storyteller in this moment? How did you, how did you find your path for the, for the, the, the publication and for all of your communications platforms uh, during this pandemic? And what, what was it you were aiming to achieve? Well, I think we're still learning, you know, and we're still adapting um, to the pandemic and still tweaking um, what we do to match the moment. I think it was very clear early on once we operation operational uh, once we got operational and we we figured out how to to do what we do from our own kitchen tables uh, at home, you know that was the first big hurdle. Okay, how do we make a magazine remotely? Um, and we figured that out pretty quickly because we were used to operating in multiple cities because of of our base of operations in Birmingham and New York um, and having teams everywhere with team members everywhere. So that was the first order of business. And then we were already working on a restaurant issue. We were already about to celebrate our 2020 class of best new chefs um, when the bottom fell out of the world. And we begin to think about, okay, well, well, not only what is going on right now, but how will the pandemic affect the future of restaurants? And so we tore up our July 2020 issue, and this was in the spring of 2020. Um, when things begin to look very, very dire, especially in New York City. And we assigned some new stories. Um, we did some new reporting and we did our own pivot, which, you know, was was the word of uh, early word of, of 2020. And we, we tore up the issue and, and we started anew, um, you know, and so that, that was one example. But I think as we pull back and we think about the events over the past 14 months, you know, as we think about the the murder of George Floyd and um, and what what that has meant to our country um, and the reckoning that has ensued, you know, I think the pandemic and the way it it affected the way that um, that we tell stories is one thing, but as we think about our role in food media, we are thinking much more intentionally not just about who we're telling stories about, but but who gets to tell the story? Who are we commissioning to tell that story? Who are we commissioning to to um, to shoot that photograph? Um, and being much more intentional about that more than we ever have in the past. And, and Hunter, maybe um, th- this is a good lead into the the stronger relationship that Share Strength is starting to have with uh, with your magazine, with Food and Wine. And I'm just you know we've done a lot with you over the years, but what, kind of wondering what led to sort of this bigger relationship. And maybe you can just talk a little bit about what it's going to entail moving forward. Um, well, I'll say this, you know, in, in, uh, in the past, I think um, journalists have been hesitant to, um, to get involved 
personally or um, or through the organization as advocates. And I see advocacy as, as a big part of our mission at Food & Wine. Uh, we launched Food & Wine Pro a couple of years ago to serve um, the hospitality industry and, 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 and to create stories and, and create a platform for the, a business platform for the industry. And just as important, um, you know, we've, we've begun to rethink our charity partnerships and share of strength has been such, it has played such an important role in the hospitality community and, and has such deep roots among chefs and restaurants, uh, and has for so long that it was a no-brainer to think about what a new kind of partnership uh, with Share Strength and No Kid Hungry could be. Um, you know, as as you know, we we fielded a, a team food and wine for Chef Cycle um, back in 2019, and and that was a real formative moment for me to see the quality of your organization um, and and the connection among the chef community as as we got to wrong, ride alongside them in Sonoma and Napa counties and uh, and to raise money. Um, and we've had individual editors who've been actively involved with No Kid Hungry for quite some time too. So we're really, really thrilled to partner with you um, this year and um, and at the Food and Wine Classic in Aspen. Um, as you talk about how the the both the pandemic and the and the racial equity issues have uh, come you know come into light, has it changed the demographic of of your readers and and has that target changed? I don't think it's changed the demographic of our readers. Because that takes time to to measure, and um, you know our our demo uh, is getting younger. Um, our demo is getting more affluent, as we can tell from from the numbers over the course of the years. Um, I'll say this: our, our readers are more engaged than they've been than they've been in many years, at least under my watch. I'm getting more emails from them about what they're cooking or what their challenges are in the kitchen. I'm, I'm hearing more from them uh, in terms of uh, what they think about what, what the magazine looks like or a particular story they read on the website than, than I ever have before. Mm-hmm. And, and I think part of that is that they're at home. Um, so they're, they're definitely more engaged or less on the road. So they're cooking more and they've got more problems in the kitchen to solve. Um, but hopefully it's a reflection of us going deeper um, and and maybe stretching some stories and thinking about um, you know broader representation across the board, right? And, and I'm wondering if social and political issues are coming through from some of your are some of these questions that you're getting from readers about the social and political impact. Let me think about it this way: back when when I was at Cooking Light, my first year, we put. Michelle Obama on on the cover um, of the magazine, and and I had never gotten so many emails and, and letters as as um, you know before then, and it made it very clear how um, you know bef- and this is long before Donald Trump was elected, but it made it very clear how you know the striation, the political striation, was there in the country, and and how people felt, and you know I heard a lot about. Um, you know, how, uh, on the negative side was how dare you make this a political magazine and bring politics into food. Um, on the positive side, it was like, thank you for doing this and, and highlighting the efforts that, that, uh, Mrs. Obama is making, uh, with good school food, uh, and nutrition. And that showed me just how polarized, how polarized our 
excuse me, that showed me how polarized our country was and, and, you know, and is now. Um, so I think that, you know, when people read our editorial, when they, when they look at the magazine, um, everybody's looking at our storytelling through different lenses, uh, through their own perspectives. Um, but you know, we don't have some broader agenda to steer it one way or another or to go more left or more right. Um, you know, if, if anything, it's just, I just want to go deeper with the storytelling and, um, we've gotten a great reaction over the past year, you know, the circulation is strong. Subscriptions are strong. Um, people seem to, to, to like what they're getting. And I think for us, it's just, it's, it's about context and making sure that people understand that, um, yes, they're coming in for recipes and, and they, they want to be surprised and delighted. Uh, but there's always a deeper story around food to tell. I was, I was really interested in what you were saying, Hunter, about uh, who get the, your sensibility about who gets to tell the story. And so for Debbie's question, you were saying the demographic hasn't really changed much, but it sounds like you're at least starting to institute some changes around uh, the inclusivity and the diversity of who gets to tell the story and who gets to probably edit the story or photograph the story. I think you mentioned uh, at Share Strength, of course, like a lot of organizations uh, and businesses around the country, you know, we've started to make some pretty significant changes to make sure that we are more inclusive and that our grants represent that and that our vendors represent that. Um, has it? Is there kind of a, a before and after for you? Does Food and Wine look different, not as a magazine, but in terms of what's going on behind the scenes? I'm a big believer in, um, in show, don't tell. And I, by that, I mean, I want our readers and, and our followers to, um, to engage with, with the magazine and the website and our social media and to decide for themselves. Uh, behind the scenes, I will say that when we look at an editorial lineup and we're looking at a particular issue, and thinking about the storytelling from the front cover to the back. Um, you know, the way I used to look at this when I was running the test kitchen and I was in charge of all the recipes, um, and this was back in my time at Sever and, and at, at Bon Appetit and also at Southern Living, I always thought about the balance of stories like a menu. If you're, if you're building a menu in a restaurant, okay, we've got um, X amount of appetizers and salads, uh, main courses, do we have enough chicken and fish? Um, how many vegetable driven dishes do we have here and desserts? And then, okay, we need some cocktails too. So that was balanced to me. Now balanced to me now, as I look at an editorial lineup and I'm, I'm able to pull back a bit more, that's what I'm looking at. Okay. Where are these stories from? You know, what's the geographical diversity? Um, what is the diversity in terms of who, who is telling these stories? Um, and not just, not just the writing and the photography, but also the illustrators. And as we look at across the board from the front cover to the back, making sure there is a balance across the board in terms of, in, in terms of representation. I was going to ask, um, if you think it's too early to be able to tell which of the changes that have been made in the restaurant world as part of the, you know, in response to the pandemic, which of those will be permanent. And I'm thinking about you know, the way we're ordering, the way we're paying and all those sorts of things. I mean, what, how do you see that moving forward? Wow. I mean, there, there are so many issues here, um, you know, from uh, culturally, politically, through technology, 
Um, I think there's so many things that are continuing to shake out and, and, um, I would love to be an expert and be able to step in and say, here, here is the future of restaurants. Uh, but I think it is such a fluid space. I think this, this big and slow, um, opening up of, of our country and of the economy, um, it's fascinating because there's this great ramp up in, in hiring. Um, but there seems to be a, a, a major labor shortage in that, you know, cooks and servers have moved elsewhere who have gone on to other jobs who've decided maybe this is an industry that that's not for them. Um, you've got leaders in the industry who have been changing the way that they do business, um, changing their models, uh, thinking about equity, um, thinking about, um, a more livable wage. And all this is playing out in, um, in an environment where maybe customers are feeling more entitled and acting more entitled than they ever have. At least that's what I'm hearing. And so as we're looking at it, we're really, we're thinking about how restaurants are evolving and, and what's going on with technology and what, um, you know, the acquisition of talk by Squarespace means and what it's going to mean for us as consumers. We're looking at that. We're looking at, um, at tipping models. We're looking at res- reservation systems. Um, you know, we're looking at what the new openings are. And Kush Boucha, our, our restaurant editor, is out in the country right now scouting our best new chefs. So we're out there. Um, but the thing that's really on my mind and where you're going to see part of our editorial point to in the coming months through Food & Wine Pro is what is, what is the civilian, what is the restaurant customer's role in the hospitality equation? How can we empower our readers to be better restaurant customers? Um, because they have a role to play in hospitality as well. Just like we're empowering them to be more confident home cooks and, and entertainers, um, that's going to be a big part of our mission moving forward as well, is how do we empower them to be better restaurant customers? And I think that's the thing that we can focus on in a more finite way um, to help them understand what's happening behind the scenes, to help them understand why you absolutely right now should tip 20%, which is, uh, you know, a no brainer for us that, that are close to the industry. Um, you know, but really pull back some of those layers and move beyond the superficial reporting about, you know, this place is great. And, and this chef's a rock star to, Hey, you know, this chef is a great leader and here's why, or this is this, this place is uh, a part of the community, um, because of X, Y, and Z. You know, and, and really, really empowering our our readers uh, to to be better. Well, I love that. That'll be really powerful. I was I was saying to Billy earlier that I was a good friend of mine was in town for the weekend, so I've been out to a couple of restaurants, and I really miss the you know because you're not really uh, talking to waiters that much anymore. Wait staff, I you feel it. You know, I feel the I miss the hospitality side, and I understand why we're doing it this way. Of course, you know with the just with the ordering and, you know, you, you order and pay for everything on, on your app and just, it does, it changes the experience pretty substantially. It really does. And, um, you know, and I think, I think this is a, a period of grace. We need, we all need to cut each other some slack and, and, and give each other some grace. You know, this is not the time for a negative restaurant review. This is not the time to be complaining about a limited menu. Um, yes, of course you want to get, um, you know, good value for, for your experience. But I, this is, this is the great shakeout right now. And, and, and it'll continue for several more months um, as, as restaurants find their footing 
you know, as more of the stimulus, stimulus money begins to flow through um, with these grants from the Small Business Association, um, let, let, let's, let's give everybody several months of, of time to find their footing, um, you know, and for more people to get vaccinated. And then, and then we can look up and see, um, see what's happening. One of the, one of the things that we've seen, and I'm curious as to whether, uh, this is your perspective as well, is that in addition to the kind of changes we're talking about, uh, inside the restaurant and inside the industry, uh, there have also been a lot of innovations uh, and I guess evolved attitudes just in terms of the role of chefs and restaurants on social issues. We've seen, whether it's Rethink Food or World Central Kitchen or the work that Share Strength does with uh, chefs and restaurateurs around the country uh, during the pandemic in particular, you know, using restaurant kitchens as commissaries to feed the community at times when hunger had spiked so high. It, it just felt to me like this period of tremendous innovation and affirmed something that I think we all know about the restaurant industry, which is it's an incredibly generous industry. And even though the restaurant industry was knocked down so hard, you still had countless chefs and kitchen staffs and others finding ways to actually give back to the community when they themselves were hurting. Well, and, and that's where we found so much inspiration as editors and writers over the, over the course of the past year. You know, when things felt dire at home and um, and our world seemed very, very small and contained within our four walls, seeing an industry that has always been generous, uh, step up and, and, uh, you know, you, you think about organizations like the Lee initiative, um, or know us without you in LA, um, helping undocumented workers, you know, that's where the magic is, you know, and thinking about, okay, um, here, here's a chef, or here's an organization where maybe they've had, they've had to shut their doors or, or shift to only take out, um, but they're feeding nurses and they're feeding frontline workers, or they're they're feeding their own uh, and turning their restaurants into, um, you know, into commissary kitchens or into um, into soup kitchens. Hunter, uh, I understand that the uh, food and wine classic at Aspen. We'll be back. We will, it, it's coming back. We uh, we moved it from June to uh, September of this year, September 10th through 12th. Um, we have got a great, great lineup of chefs and uh, wine experts. Guy Fieri is going to be there. And uh, as you know, Guy's been instrumental in raising millions and millions of dollars um, for the restaurant community. Um, Martha Stewart will be there. Our new executive producer, Kwame Mwachi, is going to be there. Um, so got a killer lineup and, and, and share our strength will be there. We're, um, we're thrilled to be partnering with you guys. We're excited. It's very exciting to, to see it coming back. Um, I just want to thank you, Hunter, for your support for us, for not only writing, but helping to elevate, um, writing chef cycle that is, but also helping to elevate, uh, our work on a whole set of issues around hunger and poverty and equity. Um, the platform that you, oversee is probably, it's always been important. It's probably more important today than it's ever been in terms of connecting people to uh, issues that are both fun and fulfilling and uh, that they're passionate about, but also really important to the future of our society. Uh, do you, does it feel like a, to me, it feels like a big responsibility. Does it feel that way to you? Um, it's an honor. It really is. I mean, I, I, I look at myself as a steward, um, you know, and I think about what, what, uh, Dana Cowan did for 20 years, um, 
you know, it really is a blessing to, to, to do this job, but I, I really see our role as editors, you know, we're conduits. Um, we are conduits to the, to the restaurant community and, and the hospitality trade. Um, you know, we're storytellers and, and it's a, it's really a, a blessing to be able to do this job, um, for food and wine and, and, uh, you know, and to be talking to, to folks like you and to be partnering with, with share our strength, um, at our marquee event. Uh, we've been talking to Hunter Lewis, the editor-in-chief of Food & Wine magazine, and you can find uh, most of what he does at foodandwine.com. Uh, that, I'm assuming that's the best, that's the website I go to. Hunter, is there a better one? Go to foodandwine.com. Foodandwine.com it is. Hunter Lewis, thank you so much for taking the time with uh, my sister, Debbie Shore, uh, and me today on Add Passion and Stir. This is our weekly podcast, and you can go to addpassionandstir.com to find previous episodes and rate us and rank us and share it with your friends. We've got an amazing lineup of guests just over the last few weeks. They've ranged from Carol King to George Stephanopoulos to Sean Cassidy, Kwame Onwachi, who Hunter mentioned, uh, Julia Tertian, uh, culinary community, uh, political community, entertainment, journalism. Uh, anyone who's passionate about making a difference in the world finds their way to add passion and stir. So thanks so much for listening to our team at Share Our Strength on behalf of myself and Debbie, uh, to all of our colleagues at Share Our Strength and the No Kid Hungry campaign. Uh, thanks for making this podcast happen. And for Paul Whittle at District Productive and the whole team there at our production company. Uh, thanks so much. You've been listening to Add Passion and Stir. I'm Billy Short. Really sure.